0: All right. I think we'll go ahead and uh, we'll get started. We are gonna finish up. <clears throat> We're gonna finish up session three today. Finish up session three, and hopefully get started on session four as well. We're gonna start then by singing the hymn. Um, as soon as I get a drink of water. Crown Him with Many Crowns, on the front of page, or session three's packet. We'll sing that and pray the prayer, and then we'll dive into where we left off last time. Let me think, try and pick a good key. Crown Him with many crowns,
1: the Lamb upon His throne. Hark Have me and anthem drowns all music but its own. Awake, my soul, and sing of him who died for thee, and hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity. Crown him the Lord of years, the potentate of time, creator of the rolling spheres, ineffably sublime. All hail, Redeemer, hail, for thou hast died for me. My praise and glory shall not fail throughout eternity. Crown him the Lord of hand, enthroned in worlds above. Crown him the King to whom is given the wondrous name of love. Crown Him with many crowns, as thrones before Him fall. Crown Him, ye kings, with many crowns, for He
0: is King of all. Let us pray. With confidence, dear Savior, I place before you my needs and the needs of my friends, and all people in the knowledge that your grace exceeds my wants and your love is greater than my greatest need. Give hope to all. Let my confidence be this, that you give help to those who cannot help themselves and warmth and kindness to the destitute. Make now my heart your dwelling place. Amen. All right, if you just flip that over, we should be on the day four section, the day four section. While you're doing that, don't you just love that one line, the potentate of time? <laughs> I, I always like that one. T-t-t-t-t-t-t". So, there you go. We're on uh, day four, and let's go ahead and let's read chapter six, verses four through twelve again, and uh, we'll just pick up there with that section. So,. Um, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 12. Barb, you want to start? Or, and I'll grab you.
2: It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, If they fall away,
0: way, yet in your case, beloved, you feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the
3: saints as you still do. We desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. We do not want you
0: to become lazy, but to imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. All right. So, as uh, the we started talking last time, and as the question number 12 says, this is a difficult and often misunderstood section of Scripture, because the Greek indicates that the rejection referred to in verse 6 was continuous in nature. Okay, the hardened heart like Pharaoh had, the stubborn person who constantly continues to disbelieve or um, the, the refusing uh, that continuous nature of the verb. Okay? So, and I think we all know people like this, right? In fact, I'd say many of the people who do not believe Uh, despite the word and the evidence that there is, are this stubborn unbelief. Uh, That's what's in there going on. Okay, So the question is, letter A, is God unwilling to forgive or supply his grace to those who fall away? Is that what it's saying? That if you become damned at some point, That you are thereby forever damned. Is that what he's saying? He wants all to be saved. Uh, What's that? He He wants all to be saved. Uh, That's the truth. It's not a you fall away and you're forever bound to hell. Okay. He died
3: for all after all.
0: He died for all after all. Yeah. (laughs) Always true. All y'all, no, no, just, no. yeah, that's, that's the truth, right? And in history of the church, there was a big issue about this um, around the end of the 300s uh, during the life of a guy named St. Augustine. Um, in northern Africa... Uh, under the Emperor Diocletian, and he would be uh, the th- around 300 AD, there was a persecution of the church where Christians were killed merely for being Christians. And after that persecution under Diocletian, Constantine becomes the next emperor. And first he makes Christianity a legal religion, Um, And then, later on, he even adopts the religion as as his own in a not-quite-official, but-de-facto way, making it the religion of the empire. There was a little bit of wishy-washiness after him with a guy named Julian the Apostate, but essentially, from that time forward, Christianity was the official religion of the Roman Empire, And so during that time of Diocletian, some of the Christians abandoned the faith in this way. Diocletian's soldiers said, are you a Christian or not? And if they said they were Christian, they would be executed. And so some of them said what? No, no. No, I'm not a Christian. Don't kill me. And then when the persecution came to its end, those people, what did they do? They wanted to come back to the church. And some of the Christians who had hidden or ran away but remained true to the faith said, no, you're not a Christian anymore and you never can be. Okay, this, is, this is called the Donatist controversy. The Donatist controversy. And what's the truth? If you fall away, if you deny the faith, is it possible for you to return? Yes. 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 What, what must take place for that to happen? Repentance. Yeah. And how has repentance worked? Who does that work? Christ, Christ the Holy Spirit, God, works that through his word preached and taught uh, and delivered. And in that repentance, then, yes, you can return to the faith. Now, does that mean that we should all abandon the faith and say, well, I'll just repent when I get older and I'm closer to kicking the bucket? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because do you know when... We're going to kick the bucket. I could be dead today, right? Okay? I could get in my car and um, get in an accident and and be be done. I shouldn't wait until I think I'm going to die. I should be a Christian now and always. Okay, I think I saw Shar's hand.
2: Uh, sometimes, when, sometimes when you take an adult compromise, then... Of them
0: on that affirmation of faith. Is that someone come back to the church? An affirmation of faith. Yes. Yes. Uh, and it's not necessarily that they've come back to the Christian faith. When we do an affirmation of faith, it's that they're returning to the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod faith. Okay? So um It's, it's a fairly common thing, in fact, if you want to learn about it, go walk down the hall and see all the pictures of confirmation students. For people to be confirmed, to move away for college, and to go to no church for a while. And then, when they, if they were to come back and wish to rejoin the church, we would do an affirmation of faith. Yeah, that's what that one is. Yeah.
3: If when I when I hear it read, it says to me that it's saying, Would you
0: ask Jesus to die again? We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get to that part.
3: Okay, that's where I was going with it. Okay,
0: yeah, we'll get there. I guess I'm still not clear on what is that in verse three saying and God permitting. Is there a time when God does not permit? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What was the question? The question is, so I'm going to read these three verses. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. And the question is, is there a time... When God does not permit, okay? When we hear that, if God permits, we like to think what? That he will always permit, right? And he does want all, y'all, to be saved, right? We had that already too, If I am stubborn against God and against his word and living a life of open, unrepentant sin, will God let that go on permanently? No. What will happen? You will lose your faith. And so there is a time at which... the die, Yes, when you die... The time for repentance is no more. Okay, so it's after death that at the time of death. Well, I'm going to go a little bit more, too. So I wanted to start there to say, there is a time for sure when God no longer permits. There also is... And we see the example of this that I'm going to use is the Pharaoh from the Exodus. Okay? there is a time at the beginning of that Pharaoh hardened his heart against Moses' word. And that's what it says in Exodus. Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the people go. And plague after plague after plague took place and Pharaoh hardened his heart. And after a while God hardened his heart. And so that's the other thing that we have to be aware of okay if we stubbornly tell God over and over and over where to go you know up yours God okay I hope I can say that in Bible study if not please don't be offended if we constantly say that our heart becomes so calloused but in that sense there's there it's not good, not good. why we need to be in church, plugged into the word, plugged into the gifts uh, all the time. Are we the ones to determine that time? No, no. Uh, um, if Leonard um, stops coming to church for a while, I'm not the one who gets to say um, okay, fine, Leonard, you get to go to H-E-Double Hockey Sticks, right? What's my job? To keep bringing the word, to keep bringing the word, to keep bringing the word. He might eventually tell me to go to H-E-Double Hockey Sticks and to leave him alone, but I'm not the one who makes that call to Godless. And if he tells me to leave him alone in a... And it's, it's never in a nice way when that gets to that point, right? <laughs> Leonard would never do that. I, I know Leonard pretty well. Um, I'm not going to get arrested for stalking him by, like, following him around everywhere. Jesus loves you, right? So we have to be aware that that's the way it works. I don't know if I'm answering it or making it more muddy.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I also think, though, that God knows, obviously, he knows if you're going to turn back to him in time before you die. He's, he knows that.
0: He does. And um, this is why it's so important to be a member at a church and to uh, participate in the life of the church to be in worship uh, and receive the sacraments and to not just drift around in our lives. It's important to be a part of the church because that's where the gifts are given that keep your heart alive instead of dead and calloused. All right, Sue, I saw your hand up too. This room- Yeah. Yes. Or um, in the same way, and this happens lots of times, <laughs> not just here, but this is a, a big example of it. In the time of Noah, Noah's building a big boat in the middle of the land. And you know, everybody's coming up to Noah and saying, uh, uh, Noah, what are you doing here? And every time, what do you think Noah said? God's going to send a flood and everybody's going to die. And what do you think the people said? Yeah, sure, Noah. Whatever you say. Um, And then one day, it started raining. Who shut Noah in? God. God. Did he open the door and save those people? If time... What was the phrase that we were asking? If God permits. Did God permit any longer? No. Okay. Okay,
3: please begin.
0: Got, got, I'm getting old. I'm almost 40 now. <laughs> what
3: is God permitting if heaven is the real goal Why is he permitting some to live on, you know what I mean, and taking others um, at another time? Um, Which one is really the one that's more concerning? Except for the fact that you want to be sure you have repented before you die. If he comes like a thief, you see, Which, is there really, like, I don't know, if we we are taken by him, and it is his choice, that is our time, it is written. Could it have really went any other way anyway? And through repentance anyway? Um, Or is this something he is doing to confound For a time or times for a purpose? And if so, would we really have even known and been able to prepare for that? Otherwise, which one do we really want? Do we want to stay or do we want to go?
0: We want to go. If if God is just confounding people for a time, what that does is it Ultimately, makes God the author of evil, which means he is not a good God, and that is not good. <laughs> and that's not what he says about himself, too. And so that's why we have to avoid that idea. That's, that's a simple way to think about it. If I am purposefully confusing someone, what's that say about me? If, yeah, if I... <laughs> If I tell my son to go grab me a screwdriver, and he says, okay, where is it? And I say, yeah, it's uh, inside your mattress in your bedroom. Just get some scissors, cut a hole, and reach in there and start digging until a screwdriver comes out. And he goes and does this. What's it say about me that I have sent him somewhere wrong? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, sometimes there's a saying
2: that says when God closes a door, he opens a window. And we had a relative that was um, terminally ill. And he didn't want to live any longer. And um, he shot himself. And he was still alive. Oh no. He drove himself to the county. It's up in Northeast Nebraska, to the sheriff's department. And they took him to the hospital, and he was gravely ill. They took him to surgery and removed the bullet and all that. And he had a chance, because the pastor from his church came, and he repented of his sin. He knew he was wrong doing what he did. But he um, repented, and he asked for forgiveness. And I believe that he's in heaven. You know, because he believed yeah.
0: that God should forgive him even though he did
2: this terrible thing to himself. Yeah. And that was deathbed repentance because he died
0: the next day. That that is possible and can happen. The point we want to drive home is don't expect that. Live now as if you won't be living tomorrow so that you always will live. I don't know if that makes sense. It's a weird way to say it. Okay? You don't know. Uh, I went to Concordia Seward, graduated um, 2006 in May. And uh, the first week of May is when we graduated. A week after graduation, one of the other kids at Seward, 22 years old, playing basketball in the gym at Seward, had a heart attack and died.
3: 22.
0: That's possible for any of us. And if you're expecting to repent and care about God tomorrow, but you die today, that's not good. That's not good at all. And keep that in mind. That's why being a part of God's church is so very important today, tomorrow, and always. Okay? I say that to Clark and Adelaide, it just got confirmed. Keep going to church!
1: <laughs> okay.
0: All right. What's that? Especially when times get tough. Especially. Okay, let's keep going. What is it about falling away from or rejecting Christ that makes pardon impossible? Let's read Acts 4.12. Acts 4.12. And you guys should all be pros at Acts now since we did the entire book not long ago. Somebody want to read that? Acts
2: 4.12. And,
3: and there is salvation in no, no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved.
0: You make our confirmation kids memorize this at least twice a year, I think.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: why? According to the question, uh, or what is it about falling away or rejecting Christ that makes pardon impossible? It's It's only possible through Jesus. And if you reject Jesus, that leaves only one solution, that it is now impossible. Right? If... If you are on the Titanic and it has hit the iceberg and it is sinking, your only hope is what? A life raft. raft. But if you get up to the front of the line and you say, no thanks, I don't think I want a life raft. What happened to you a hundred and ten years ago? You died. (laughs) Um, If you are in an apartment and the only, and it's on fire, and the only way to escape is down the emergency stairs. But you say, no, thank you. What happens? Right, okay. If you are going to die because of sin, and there's one solution, that's Christ who dies for sin, and you say, no, thanks, Jesus. What happens? Yeah. Okay? And people do this all the time. All the time. This is the thing to be wary of. That's why it's so important to be in God's house, to hear the word, to receive the gifts, to be a part of a congregation, because in that, that's... That's your only life, uh, not life vest, that's that's your only hope. It's the old story, the joke about the guy who's in his house and the floodwaters are rising and the National Guard knocks on his door and says, there's a flood, you should get out of here. And he says, no thank you, God's going to protect me. And then the waters rise up to his house and so um, he's in the second story and a boat pulls up and knocks on the window and says, hop in the boat, I'll, I'll help rescue you. And he says, no, nope, God's going to take care of me. And then he climbs to the roof and a helicopter comes and they lower a rope and he says, no, thank you. God's going to take care of me. And then he drowns. And he goes to heaven and he says, God, you promised you were going to take care of me. What's the problem? And God said, well, I sent a national guard, a boat and a <laughs> helicopter, <laughs> Right? Don't be that guy. (laughs) Don't be that guy. The only hope is Jesus. All right, I saw your hand up. I was going to say, so it is written, our
3: lives are already established from beginning to end to the point that even if something else were on the path, we we are there. But something else comes in to the path. Somebody throws a rock and hits us in the head. We're on the back. We're going where you know we should be going. This changes things, or is this written? If God intervenes or confounds, is this changing what was written, or is this written?
0: I don't know that I'm following you. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I I don't. I don't think I understand. So, okay, thirteen. Can a person who believes Then rejects and then repent. uh, Can they be forgiven? Uh, Can somebody raise their hand? Matthew 21, 28 through 32. Anybody? Somebody look that one up? Okay. Uh, Luke 15, 11 through 14. Somebody, or 11 through 24. Someone else? Anyone? Okay. Uh, Romans 11, 23. Someone look that one up? Okay. Perfect. All right, let's look those passages up. We have Matthew 21 to start with.
2: I
3: want the first to answer. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom
2: of God ahead of you. John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not uh, believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you
0: did not repent and believe him. Okay. What's that one say? Can a person who believes, then rejects, and then repents be forgiven? Yes. Yeah. The son who said, no thank you, came back and did what the father asked. Okay? This is, this is back to the confirmation pictures in the hallway, right? Lots and lots of them say, I will suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from the faith. And then stop coming to church. That's the, first, or the second son as opposed to the first son. And I, like I said, they still have time to repent, and we pray that they will. Okay? I'm not picking on confirmation students on the hallway. <laughs> Just using it as an example. Okay, Luke 15, and I don't remember who I pointed to.
2: Everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare, but here I am dying in hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father, but when he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put Arms around him and kissed him. And he said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him, with ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead
0: and is alive again. He has lost himself, and began to celebrate. Okay. Is it possible to believe, reject, and repent? Yes. 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 Now, again, what happens if he rejects and trips in the hog confinement and gets eaten by the pigs? Does he get to rejoice and return to the Father? No, right? You guys all have terrified pictures in your head now, right? It's possible to repent and return, but we don't want you to have to do that. That's what I mean to say, okay? We don't want you to have to do that. All right, let's read the last one, Romans 11, and then we'll see if there's questions on it. Um, I don't remember who I pointed to. Is that you, Nick?
3: Romans 11. Even they, if they do not continue in unbelief,
0: will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. Okay. Even they, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. Why? Because God has the power to graft them in again. Can you believe, reject, and return? Yes. Is it good to do that? No. It's good to just stay as a part of the church, not to wander and come back. Okay.
3: I was going to say, we're talking about repentance as if that's a strange thing. That's supposed to be the condition in which we all live as Christians.
0: Yeah, how often should you repent? This is, this is, uh, is it thesis one of the... Uh, Ninety-five theses of Martin Luther. The Christian life should be one of daily repentance. (laughs) The entire Christian life should be one of daily repentance. Returning to God and his gifts. Yeah. I, I think maybe what it
3: might be saying is, yes, you should find the time. The time should be right. It should be truthful when you do repent. Because doing it is to try to put in place the time when you are forgiven, which is not yours to do. God gives you the chance to repent, but he doesn't give you the opportunity to decide when and where you will truly be forgiven or justified in that. Because we all still have to be judged on Judgment Day as well. So we can't, I don't think, keep doing something thinking, that we can't, can't, you're right, we can't
0: keep sinning and expect it not to have an effect on our faith or on our relationship with God. And so the example I use of this is, um, okay, let's say I go up to Ken and uh, I run over his leg with my car, okay? And uh, I get out of the car, and I say to him, Ken, I'm really sorry for running over your leg. And after he's done being mad <laughs> or whatever, he says, I forgive you. Okay? And he, he, his leg heals, he's back to walking, and the next day after he's walking, I run over him again. <laughs> okay? How many times can I run over Ken's leg and then say, I'm sorry? <laughs> Before eventually, there's an irreparable rift there.
1: Once is enough. <laughs> Once is enough.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And, and you could do it. I mean, that was a silly example. Um, think about that in God. God is immensely, no offense, Ken, immensely more forgiving than Ken, Right? But if I keep on doing the thing that he says is wrong, it's actually hurting my faith and my heart. And that becomes the problem between us and God. And so we can't keep on sinning, as Paul says, that grace may increase because we have died to sin. It no longer rules us. Jesus does. And so instead of doing what sin desires, we do what Jesus desires. So yeah, that's that's an important thing. Okay,
3: real quick. Yeah, well, because that's what it's saying. That's why it's saying here so clearly, do you want Jesus to die on the cross for you again? In other words, it is not your decision to make to get repentance every time. You cannot do that because you are making a decision that is above God's. In doing so, he says, "Repent," and so on and so forth. But well, so that's is doing it, that's taking the authority on yourself rather than God. In a way, you see what I mean. That's
0: where I'm going. Okay. Yeah. That's um, we don't want to keep on more than the, the the part here about crucifying Christ again. Puts us in the crowd. Uh, outside the stone pavement on Good Friday morning when Pontius Pilate is examining Jesus. Okay? And um, Pontius Pilate says, should I crucify Jesus? Thinking they're all going to say what? No. no. But instead, what do they say? Crucify. crucify him. And then he says, what if I... What if I release him to you because I'm giving away a free criminal because it's Passover? And they say, give us the murderer and insurrectionist. And they keep on choosing to reject Christ so that he goes to the cross. And living that way forever, again, is not... Good, it's that idea of constantly running over someone's leg and hoping they'll forgive you. Okay? Um, Do you think they are killing the idea that it, sin, the sin, that he says
3: he will uh, clear up for them? They are killing that. No one is going to tell
0: them that they, if they're, if they're Christian... What's the reason they wanted Jesus to be crucified? Because they loved themselves more than the word that he preached. And if you do the same, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. Ashley? Does this have anything, this verse, to do with the of the Mass in the Catholic Church? We could definitely make that application, I think. I think if we were going to have a theological discussion with the Catholics on that topic, we would use this verse on our, in our favor in that discussion. Because they also use Hebrews 9 28, So Christ, having been offered once, was the
2: many. They use that verse to justify the sacrifice of the Mass. Yes.
0: As you know, that's um, what's the right way to say it? That's taking a really roundabout way to use scripture to defend the thing you're doing that's probably not right. And they, they go even into more hoops to do that. So we would we would deny that when we Do the Lord's Supper that we are, um, I'm going to try and use language that we can all follow, that we are re-sacrificing Jesus in a bloodless sacrifice on the altar. What we're doing is the sacrifice Christ did once for all, paid the price, and now it's being delivered to us in the Lord's Supper. It's not a re-sacrifice. It's applying the sacrifice that's from the past for all time.
3: The Catholics
0: say the same thing. <laughs> yes. In a very weird way to defend their position, right? Right, because they're saying that the actually is taking place again, but they're not re-sacrificing. But then also what do they say that goes with, it? Right, if you go to a Catholic funeral where they have the sacrament, what do they say? I've been there. They say, we're going to have the Lord's Supper now, and we're going to re-sacrifice Christ for the person who died so that they won't have to be in purgatory quite as long. They say that too. So they speak out of both sides of their mouth in that way. I mean that kindly. Okay. You, now you don't have to go to purgatory for as long, so. Yeah. Um, we could talk about that more sometime if you'd like. Yeah,
3: Lynn? I, I couldn't hear all of what she said, but um, my husband was came from a Catholic family, and I was told
2: that like on Easter, they had a mass for him. Mm-hmm.
3: And and i said before, and Denny had said before too. You know, no, you you don't you don't need to do that. Denny is in heaven already. Now, by them doing that, is that causing harm? Uh,
0: I'm going to say this very carefully. Not for Denny. Not for. Anyone who's already passed away that a mass is being said on behalf of, what can it hurt? The The faith of the living who get the idea that they'll be able to get into heaven as a result of this taking place in the future. And the the example par excellence of this is uh, from the time of the Reformation. So, Reformation started because um, indulgences were being sold to raise funds for a couple of things. St. Peter's Basilica is where it went to, that big, beautiful church paid for by indulgences. Uh, but it was funneled through a person who also wanted to become an elector in the Holy Roman Empire. Okay? And um, the way that it worked was the church in Rome told the guy who wanted to become an elector, if you pay us this much money, you can become the archbishop elector. And he said, I don't have that much money, but I'm going to take out a loan, and then I'll pay the loan off by selling indulgences with your permission. So you get the money now. I'll sell the indulgences to raise the funds to pay off the loan. And the guy who made the loan, his name was uh, Jakob Fugger, F-U-G-G-A-R, Jakob Fugger. And he lived in the city of Augsburg. And he's known as, uh, in English we'd say, Jacob the Rich. He's the richest man that has ever lived, if you do the inflationary math. Okay. And when Jacob Fugger died, he left a huge portion of his estate to establish a town for poor people to live in, and for like five cents a year, you got your own house in this uh, this Jacob Fugger town. The only payment you had to make was to pay or to pray twice a day and make your prayer count that he gets out of purgatory. We are now 500 years later, and it's still happening. You can live, if you're poor, in Germany, in Augsburg, in a community, and only pay a euro a year to live there, if you pray twice a day that Jakob Fuger will get out of purgatory and into heaven. I don't know how I got on that. I don't remember what the question was or where it came from. But that's what's that do to all? What that do to Jacob Fuger's faith? That's where we were. He said, "I'll have thousands of people praying for the rest of time for me to get into heaven." And what's that hurt his faith in Jesus? because it demonstrates he has faith also in all these people who are now praying for him. Um, It also introduces doubt for the living still. In North Dakota, um, the husband of one of my members died, and he was Catholic. And the widow was told... For a five, she she was she's like, is my husband? Where is he now that he's dead? And she was told for a five thousand dollar donation, she could be pretty sure that he was in heaven. Okay, so what did she do? Because what she care about? Um, there was another young woman who went through our new member class, and we were just about through it, and her mom passed away. And when her mom passed away, she quit the class. Do you know why? I have to stay in the Catholic church so that I can pray so that my mom will get into heaven. Whose faith does that hurt? Right. So having a mass said for you or on your behalf, it doesn't do anything. You want your faith to be in Christ, but that teaching and the way that it's applied and used can hurt the faith of those who are still living. And that's the thing to be wary of with the whole idea of indulgences and masses and all that that's being done. And it still is being done even today, as apparently Ashley and uh, Monica can now attest for. Okay? And you too, yeah. Okay, or or the candles, right? You've been in the gone to the Catholic church, and you can buy a candle and light it in memory of someone. Same thing, just not as many points <laughs> that you're uh, paying for. Okay, as if it's a point system. Yeah.
3: Okay. It, it's very interesting though. When you're on this topic, you brought it up. <laughs> that everyone asks, "Will you pray for me for such and such?" You go to group, and everybody says. Anything I can pray for you for, and so on. And that's free, if you will. But he was kind of just turning the tables and saying, "I will guarantee there would be a guarantee of prayer yeah. if you just set this up this way. It's a guarantee for life. We, memorial,
0: and we should definitely pray for the living, right? But so when." When someone is struggling or sick, we should pray for healing or for peace. When someone's spouse dies, we should pray for the widow uh, or widower that they might find comfort in Christ. We should pray that people repent and come to the true faith. But once they're dead, uh, to quote back to Hebrews, see, I'm gonna try and bring it back to Hebrews here. Um, The time that God permits for the person who's dead is over, and we should pray for those who are still alive. That but they would be kept in the faith.
3: Should always be, Thy will be done.
0: Yeah, and why is that? Because what's God's ultimate will? That we all be saved. Right. Come to faith, the knowledge of Christ. This is God's good and gracious will. Okay. All right. Let's see if. If we can finish day four here. Um, I I was too optimistic. I was getting this on to session four. Read Mark 4, 2 through 8, and 13 through 20. A parable similar to the illustration that we just read. And as we read it, I want you to apply those three things said about the seed to what is happening in the lives of people around us by the power of the gospel. All right, so would somebody, perfect, read Mark 4, those verses. So 13 through 20. Okay. Says apply the things said about the seed to our own lives. You need to go to church and listen to the word. If only someone had said that 12 times during this Bible study. <laughs> right? This is why it's so important for what? To be a part of the church because are there desires and worries for riches and life that seek to take us away from Christ? Raise your hand if you've had no worries uh, this week. Okay, nobody. Uh, is Satan seeking to take away the word from anyone's hearts? Okay, Um, when things get tough, is there the temptation to, like the Donatists, give up, at least for a time? Yeah, now behind all of this, this is the most important thing to remember from this parable. What does the sower do? the word. God sends forth his word. He keeps on doing that. He keeps on doing it. He keeps on doing it. As one of the people who does that, sometimes you say the word to people who do not want to hear it. Sometimes you say the word to people who are stuck in sin. Sometimes you say the word to those who are worried about life and deceitfulness and cares and worries. Um, sometimes you say the word to others. The word, the word, the word keeps going out, irregardless of the ear that will hear it. Yeah,
2: sure.
0: Is worry a sin? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're out of time. No. there's There's definitely. A fine line where your worry becomes more than your fear, love, and trust in God. Okay? So it's good for me to worry a little bit when I put something in the oven that I remember to take it out so that it doesn't set on fire. It's good for me to worry a little bit. Um... Enough to make me come to work so that I earn money so that I can feed my kids. But all of those things are within my vocation, and they're really not worries, but we sometimes think of them. If it becomes such a huge thing that I lose sight of what God ultimately promises me, no matter what. If the house burns down from the oven, or I don't have any money and we starve... What promise do I have that's over all of my worries that I need to trust in more? Yeah, that Christ has died for my sins and I will be resurrected on the last day. And God will take care of all those things. So it's when it becomes that idol. Does that make sense? Maybe I've said it in a bad way, but it's a first commandment issue. I saw a hand... That's when it, yeah. Uh, and then Ken, I saw your hand too.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, yeah. It's and and Ken, you're a good example for that, right? Because Ken is the church treasurer, so he shows concern to make sure we can keep the lights on during Bible study, right? But at the same time, what's God promising to do? Yeah, the word, the important part will come whether the lights are on or not. Besides that, he out he's his leg over. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> he's concerned when he sees Pastor Moly and get in the car. Yeah. All right, real quick, we're almost out of time. Well, I don't want
3: to um, say anything against anything you have said, but oh, lay it on me. Know, okay. So, would it be uh, his death on the cross, or would it be the repent? He said we can remember it, uh, his death on the cross and what he did for us.
0: Yeah. But really, are we talking about the repentance here or the death on the cross? True repentance has two parts. First, that we acknowledge the thing we've done is wrong. And second, that we have faith that trusts God, forgives it, and what he does to Jesus. And without the second part, then we're stuck like Judas. Judas felt bad about turning Christ over. And he tried to go to the temple to pay them, to undo it. But because he didn't believe that Jesus or God could forgive his sin, he then took his own life. So we have to have both parts. Both parts. All right. We're a little over. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.